Hello, all you bookworms, and welcome to Oh for the Love of Books, the show that gives you a bit of narration from the books I read or ones you suggest for me to read on my show. I'm your host, Jessica Vickery, and thank you for joining me on this journey. Here's a very short recap of chapters 22 to 23. In Chapter 22, Mac, Nigel, and Derek land in Shanghai PVG Airport. They meet up with Jack, who will be their liaison and protector while in China. They find out Zhang has put a minimum bid of $100 million on the formula. Gus did follow them to China and is told to watch them. In Chapter 23, Nigel is thinking they missed something and is trying to figure out what Sam's role is in all of this. Jack tells them the auction will be on Saturday and they need to locate Zhang before it. Now, they just need to figure out how. Chapter 24 Jack's driver picked them up at the front entrance of the hotel. The vehicle was a Porsche Cayenne, definitely big enough for five. Derek yelled for a shotgun, but Jack wouldn't permit it. He joked locals liked to call it the closed casket seat. When they hit the road for Shintindi, everyone understood why. The greater Shanghai population is 24 million. It looked to Mac, Nigel, and Derek that every one of them was in a car that morning. With eyes as wide as silver dollars, Derek couldn't believe what he was seeing. Cars, trucks, and every other transport vehicle were fighting for a spot on the road. There was no such thing as right-of-way, courtesy, or rules. Vehicles would come out of side streets without even slowing down. Horns were constantly honking either as a courteous warning, which was a quick honk-honk, to a get-the-fuck-out-of-my-way, okay? One honk that lasted several seconds. There were also many others in between. The horns had a language of their own. This is a giant game of chicken. These people have to be the worst drivers in the world. Mac and Nigel stayed quiet for about ten minutes, fixated on what was going on. Finally, Mac spoke up. Derek, I think you were wrong. I believe these people may be the best drivers in the world. Through all this chaos, I've probably seen 20 instances where vehicles missed each other by a couple of inches, and no accidents yet. I would have been in one in less than a minute. I believe you're right, Mac, Nigel chimed in. This is all very chaotic and stressful, but somehow it works. Jack, how long to our location? Jack smiled and shook his head a little, knowing he had answered this question a million times. Nigel, in Asia, there are two answers to that question. The first one is about ten minutes. If someone gives you that answer, don't believe them. Ten minutes could mean ten minutes, or it could mean an hour. They are just trying to get you to quit asking. The second answer is, it depends on the traffic. That is the truthful answer. In both cases, the answers give you no useful information. About the only thing for sure if you get in a car 
It's going to take you at least an hour to get anywhere. Mac couldn't help himself as he let out a loud belly laugh. I should have come to China sooner. Around an hour later, they arrived at Shintindi. They parked the car and walked to the building directly across the street from the main entrance to the Shintindi walking street and made their way up to the third floor. The office was at the end of the hall. On the door was a sign which had both English and Chinese writing. The English version read, Corporate Offices. Crazy Zibans find seafood importing. Like in any office you would expect, the main office area was a reception desk, a copier, a tea area, and about ten desks with computers where customer service reps were taking orders. Around the outside of the room were several doors to other departments. Jack took them into his office, promptly closed the door, walked over to his desk, and reached into the center drawer. At the same time, a panel on the wall opened up. Behind the panel was a room about 30 by 30, with soundproofing on the walls. There were also two people behind computers, many computer servers, communication equipment, and signal jamming equipment. Jack explained all of this stuff was running off a shielded cable and conduit they installed so the jamming devices were only blocking people from trying to hack or listen in on them. He explained they also used a combination of VPNs to keep anyone from tracking their IP address. This will be our home away from home for the next couple of days. We have all the equipment and personnel necessary for tracking, hacking, and, hopefully, bidding on the box full of danger. I'm going to let Andy here, who is our head tech, show you around and explain the operation. I've got to head over to Padong for a short meeting. I should be back by three. Over on the table, you'll see three phones. Each has a sticky note with your name on it. Take the phone with your name. I have programmed my number into each of them. You will also see belts and rings. Find one of each that fits you and give Andy the tag off of it so he can log which one is yours. The belt has a GPS built in so we can track you around town if necessary. It could be especially useful if you spot Zhang and are able to follow him. The rings are backups. They are part of an active radio frequency identification, RFID system with a range of about 200 meters. It's a common technology that uses electronic tags placed on objects, people, or animals to relay identification to a reader. You might find it at an automatic toll booth where you place an RFID tag on your dashboard, and the reader notifies the DMV to charge you when you pass through. Unfortunately, we can't fit a GPS into something as small as a ring due to the battery and antenna size requirements. We have also hacked ourselves into the Chinese government facial recognition cameras. If something goes wrong and the belt or you are in a place where GPS won't work, we hopefully can use the camera system to locate the area you are in and then use the RFID to determine your exact position. Derek was confused and curious. So, other than using the GPS for tracking Zhang, if we find him, are there any other reasons you'd want to have our locations at all times? Aren't you overreaching a little on our privacy? Jack couldn't keep from laughing. Aha! My friend, as they say in the States, you aren't in Kansas anymore. You lost your right to privacy the second you stepped into China. Don't be fooled by the ease in which you get around. 
The Chinese government is trying to watch every move you or any foreigner makes. They currently have over 200 million cameras in place, most of them tied into a facial recognition system. They are primarily there to track Uyghurs, a Muslim minority in this country. They are considered dangerous by the government and are being watched very closely. Jaywalk as a hen, and you lose 10 points on your social score. Or at a maximum, lose your driver's license. Jaywalk as a Uyghur, get sentenced to a lifetime of hard labor in a concentration camp. No shit. Derek was in shock. No shit, Derek. If the government knows who you are, we need to know too. When you guys finish here, you can head across the road to the walking street. There's about any type of food you would want. I'd suggest Polliner for a good sandwich and German beer. Jack left them in Andy's hands. See you at around three. Andy proceeded to show them around, explaining what each piece of equipment was and what it did. They understood about 20%. After about an hour, they had had about enough. Mac was the first to speak up. I've got a headache. Why don't we go grab a sandwich and a beer? We can come back to this when we finish eating. Nigel was quick to answer. I agree. They all grabbed their new phones and headed to Polliner, sitting down at an outdoor table and ordering a beer. After the beers arrived, they toasted the occasion and each took their first sip. Just as they were getting comfortable, the phone in Nigel's pocket started ringing. It was from Jack. Sorry to bother you, but I just got a call. One of my associates called and he spotted Zhang in the garment district. I thought you guys would want to go down there and see if you can find him. Make sure you are as discreet as possible if you do. See if you can follow him a little to track where he is going. I'll meet up with you as quickly as I can. If you don't see him, you can always go shopping. How do we get there? You'll have to take a taxi. Just tell the taxi driver, Lu Yabang Lu. They'll know where you need to go. It is a very popular place. Okay, we should be fine. Well, guys, you better chug. They all finished their beers hurriedly and headed for the main entrance, hailing a taxi. They jumped in. Grabbing his collar, Mac looked at the taxi driver and said, Lu Bang Lu. The driver shook his head in a yes motion and took off. Mac couldn't help himself. Do your dog Chi Chong? How long to the market? As serious as he could be. The driver looked at Mac and answered, Shi Fenjong? Ten minutes. Mac gave the same look to Nigel and Derek. We might be screwed. Chapter 25 Well, I guess we weren't as screwed as I thought. Ten minutes only meant thirty in this case. Nigel paid the 30 RMB taxi fee and gave the driver an extra 50, refusing to take back the change. He didn't realize he had made a new friend with that tip. It was hard for the three of them not to stop and take it all in. They were in an older part of Shanghai with mixed businesses and residential properties. Much of what they had seen as far as superhighways or modern, more westernized areas they could see the landscape changing as they made their way from Shintindi, but now were out of the car. They weren't observers through a windshield anymore, but right in the middle of the chaos. The most significant sensory impact on Mac was the smell. 
It was a mixture of aromas coming from the street food vendors, car exhaust, fabric from clothing shops, laundry hanging out of all the windows, drying in the sun, and leftover rain from an earlier shower, and a little garbage and sewage mixed in. It wasn't a good or bad smell, just so different from what he had ever smelled in his past. If he had to put a word on it, it would probably be exotic. Nigel was hit first by the sounds. It was a cacophony of sirens, car engines, horns honking, construction, and street vendors all addressing them in broken English. DVD, watch, best price for you, high quality. Do you need a suit? Come in and look. Two things struck Derek. The first was the number of high-rise buildings being constructed. He had heard some Westerners joke the night before China's national bird was the crane. Now he knew why they were laughing. He could see the buildings were going up with astonishing speed. So much manpower was being thrown at the projects. Workers were hanging off the bamboo scaffolds like vine from a trellis. The second thing Derek noticed was the women. He usually wasn't particularly attracted to Asian women, but for some reason, the more accustomed he became to their type of beauty, the more he was taken by it. He wasn't sure, though, just yet if being away from home and in his late 20s weren't the major driving factors for his current overly reactive libido. Derek, Mac, we need to make ourselves small here. If Zhang is around here and sees us, he'll surely get the hell out quickly. I'm sure he knows we are here in Shanghai, but probably isn't aware we are this close. If we can spot and trail him, we may be able to find out where the research is, or at least be able to get info we don't have right now. We also need to watch for that big bastard Peralta who is probably traveling with him by now. He should be easy to see, even in this crowd. Just how are we going to make ourselves small, Dad? There are people all over the place. We probably won't even see him or Peralta coming. We won't see them coming if we keep moving through the crowd. What we need to do is find a store and observe from there. We can move to a few different spots while we're here to cover all directions. Let's use the crowd to our advantage. The first thing I'm going to do is head over to that street vendor and buy myself one of those Hard Rock Shanghai baseball caps. Don't you think that's a little cheesy, Dad? Not if it hides part of my face. Mac and Derek relented. Derek ended up with a Harley Davidson skull cap, and Mac ended up with a Tottenham Hotspur baseball cap and added a fake Rolex to his bounty. He was so proud he had been able to bargain the vendor down from $100 to about 60 American. Little did he know he could have gotten it for half that, and the vendor still would have made a livable profit. It didn't matter. Mac was able to buy a hot spur cap, his favorite soccer team in the Premier League. He had already heard the Rolex knockoffs were cheap, so he didn't care if the vendor could do better. In his mind, it would have been a crime to negotiate any lower. Being a Brit and fancying himself as a soccer connoisseur, Nigel had to speak up at that point. You've got to be kidding me. Tottenham? Yeah. Is that a problem? Liverpool all the way, baby. 
They laughed at the idea Yank and a Brit were trying to one-up each other on soccer while in China. Three hours and five stores later, they decided to move to their last spot down on one of the main streets, a little coffee shop named T1. They would be able to case the main intersection from there and get some much-needed caffeine. Jetlag was kicking in hard on all of them. After 30 minutes and a couple of cups of coffee each, Derek spotted Zhang. He exited the Sunshine apartment building next to the coffee shop and started walking towards a silver Mercedes E-Class parked on the street. They couldn't make out the driver. Fortunately for them, they had already paid for the coffee and were quickly headed for the door. It was later in the afternoon and rain had started falling again. There was a mass of humanity and no taxis in sight. Everyone wanted out of the storm. If a cab showed up, it would get surrounded. The persons pushing the hardest would eventually get the taxi. This moment may possibly be the only chance they've had to follow Zhang before the auction. It looked like they had lost their opportunity. They weren't going to give up just yet. All three were out on the curb, waving their taxi hands, hoping for a miracle. When Mac noticed a cab headed their way with its taillights flashing, it passed several crowds of similar hand wavers, and in a split second, it pulled over next to them. The front passenger side door flew open and a hand started motioning them in, while the driver yelled, Shin! Fast! The hand belonged to the same driver Mac had tipped so generously earlier in the day. This opportunity was either a monumental coincidence or the driver had been on the lookout for them all afternoon. In any case, it didn't matter. Karma had smiled on them. In his best Mandarin, Max smiled at the driver, pointed at the Mercedes, and said, Follow that car. It's after three I'm going to call Jack and let him know what's going on. Hey Jack, it's Nigel. We spotted Zhang and are following his car. We're in a taxi. Hand your phone over to the driver. I don't have the GPS tracker with me. The driver proceeded to talk to Jack. He could tell by how he was craning his neck and looking out the windows. He was looking for street signs. What's he doing, Mac? The best I can tell is he's telling Jack where we are and which way we are headed. The driver handed back the phone to Nigel. Nigel, he's going to use your phone to talk to me and keep me posted on your location. Give it back to him and I'll be right behind you guys when he finally stops. Will do. For another 15 minutes, they stayed behind the Mercedes. They could see they were entering an even older part of town with very narrow streets, a large park, and what looked like a temple of some sort. The driver continued to talk to Jack. Now, Lee? Where's this? Handing Nigel's phone back to him, the driver answered Mac's question. Hyun Lai Hu Yen. Hu Yen Gardens. Pointing to the park, Chen Huang Miao. Temple of the Town God. Pointing at the temple. Mac, I heard what he just told you. Hang tight. I'm no more than five minutes behind you. Give the phone back to the driver. Mac noticed the Mercedes driver had been on the phone for some time. He also could tell they had pretty much been going around the block. At that point, they were directly behind the Mercedes. I think we've been made, guys. The Mercedes passed through the intersection just ahead of them and slammed on its brakes. 
The taxi driver followed suit. Zhang had hemmed them into the intersection. Zhang's door opened, and he started getting out. That was the last thing they remembered until they came to their senses, about a minute later. The taxi driver was alive but out cold. They had been broadsided by a typical KO1 Chinese work truck. It was empty, and its driver was gone. Mac, Derek, you guys okay? I'm fine, just a little woozy. Derek, what about you? No answer. Nigel looked across the car to where Derek had been sitting against the other door, which now stood wide open. Derek was not in the seat. Nigel and Max scrambled out of the car as quickly as their beat-up bodies would allow, screaming for Derek, who was not answering. As they exited the car, they could see Derek was gone. He hadn't been thrown from the taxi but removed, and likely in the hands of Zhang. Oh my God, what am I going to tell Ellie? Nigel was in shock and had a concussion. The sound that had aroused his ears earlier in the day were now just a roar. Somewhere out of that roar, he could hear a faint voice which started getting clearer. It was Jack. He was running down the street towards them. Mac, Nigel, are you okay? Where's Derek? I really don't think I would drive in China. It would be horrifying. Have you ever seen that show Don't Drive Here with Andrew Young Husband? I think China was on it. So what happened to Derek? Did Gus and Zhang take him? Do they get the formula back? Do they find Derek? Does Ellie kill Nigel for losing Derek? To answer all of these questions, you're going to have to grab the book, and I can tell you, you will not be disappointed. Okay, so next week I'm going to be doing something a little different. And then the following episode is going to be fantastic. You will not want to miss it. You'll hear a little more about it next week. See you then. Well, that concludes my episode for today. I want to thank you all for taking the time to listen to me talk. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you like my podcast, please subscribe to my show or send me an email to justvicvoice at outlook.com. That's J-E-S-S-V-I-C-V-O-I-C-E at outlook.com with suggestions of books for me to read on the show. Thank you again and please join me next week on Oh for the Love of Books. And as always... Dream big and keep reading.